This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. The Denver Nuggets ended up uh, losing their game last night to the LA Clippers. The eight-game winning streak in Los Angeles, where this Lakers or Clippers comes to an end. And you pointed out in the in the break, Sandy, it's been a while since they've lost the Clippers. Almost uh, two alone. years. And uh, it, it happens. Uh, Nikola Jokic with a highly unusual game when it comes to the offense. on nine for 32 this is a shooting. record for misses for yeah. Jokic. I mean, of course, misses. you... I love how an awful, an awful game for Still Jokic gets is twenty two, fifteen, and ten. I mean, that's that's an awful game for Nikola Jokic. But yeah, the nine for thirty two shooting can't happen. I'm less concerned about it because my major concern was health. They got their starting five back together. Now and it's a matter of, of getting starting rhythm there. Good. Joining us to talk about it from Mile High Sports is our a friend Ryan Blackburn. Give him a follow on social at NBA Blackburn, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast and the Alley Oop podcast, as well as the lead writer for all things Nuggets over at Mile High Sports. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us. It's been a little bit. Uh, are, are you with us that, that we look at it and we're like, eh, it happens. You know, law of averages goes on. The Clippers played a pretty good game against Jokic. He did, this shot wasn't falling. Uh, say la vie. Say la vie is probably the best way to put it, right? This was uh, this was definitely not the brightest game. This was definitely not what everybody was hoping for. When you get back the starting unit, everybody is all hunky dory. And then to be fair, the, the first quarter was really like that. That was nice to see. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, the everything sort of fell apart. I think with that second unit uh, entering in the second quarter, losing a lot of the momentum, and then. It felt like Nikola Jokic just wanted to pick up the momentum by himself. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the thought process was there, but he missed basically his, his next nine shots, and then things yeah, started never got better. Yeah, he was he was okay. He hit his first two threes, and that was nice. But I don't know, guys. It was a, a very odd performance, and so odd that I just say, yeah, throw that one out. That one's probably not happening again, and let's just burn the tape burn the tape and move on to the next game. The common thread in their losses, first of all, they all come on the road. So that's the most obvious uh, common right. thread. But the other is that when their bench gets outplayed and they're not at home, it's harder to overcome. And last night, I didn't think the bench was terrible, but it wasn't really among Jackson, Brown, Watson, Strother, DeAndre Jordan, wasn't all that good either. Even Jordan and Jackson, who had fabulous games as starters recently against the Clippers, they weren't good last night. And Beast uh, and Powell and Westbrook, um, although James Harden revealed after the game Westbrook isn't thrilled playing 16 minutes a game, a hard place to it too. Uh, they were very good last night. They were efficient. They shot it well. Uh, I thought in the second quarter, especially, uh, Thies turned the game. He turned the game oh, yeah. around with the threes, with the three ball, and the rebounding, and the block shots. <laughs> it's uh, it's tough. The, the bench unit for Denver has been a massive weakness, and it's going to continue to be a massive weakness. I don't see any way that Denver really writes that ship, and frankly, they don't necessarily have to in order to win a title. We just saw it last year that the bench could be a minus 10 net rating and still win a championship because – they will cut it down to the players that they ultimately want to play and that they need to play. And those guys will probably be just fine. They will probably be 
uh, okay, at that point, I'll be Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, and maybe Peyton Watson, maybe Julian Strother, maybe uh, DeAndre Jordan at some point, maybe Zeke Naji at some point, maybe Justin Holiday at some point. But it's, uh, I mean, during the regular season, you know how painful it's going to be. It's, it's just not going to be good. I understand against the Clippers with two big guys, uh, Jordan's probably going to play, and he's a former Clipper, so you know he'll be ready. Uh, but has Naji fallen out of favor? In your opinion? Oh, no doubt. <laughs> he Why? Is, Why do you think he, that is? The Nuggets can't win his minutes. They have not been able to win his minutes in any single combination that they've played on the court. And whether that's with Jamal Murray as the backup point guard uh, running with the second unit, whether that is with Reggie Jackson running those units, whether Michael Porter's also staggering, Aaron Gordon's playing next to him, Julian Strother's playing, or Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, who knows? Uh, it just doesn't really matter. For whatever reason, the Nuggets have not been able to win with Zeke Naji as the backup center. And so you have to go to different options. And the Nuggets have decided they want to have a backup center. And the only other one on the roster that's a main backup center is DeAndre Jordan. They could right. go to Jay Huff, I guess. But I, I haven't seen enough of him to really feel one way or the other about his minutes other than he's a two-way player. It's probably not going to be good. Uh, but Zeke has... Like he had the contract extension in the offseason. There was a lot of expectation on him improving and getting better. And there have been some layers to which he has gotten better, but not enough that have actually made a difference on the court. And it, it, it's difficult to potentially make a trade. You're going to find the right partner because of the way that was exercised. He has that NBA poison pill restriction until the offseason. So it makes it more complicated. And it, it does seem like they've kind of got what they've got. But to get an idea of how difficult it's been, the Nuggets lost by nine points. Every single one of their starters was still a plus player and plus minus. It was a disaster for uh, the bench. And when you look at the starters Second for the fourth quarters, right for the Clippers, you know, <laughs> the three, three of terrible. their five, uh, pardon me, two of their five, three of their five starters were in minus uh, in the plus plus minus. So it's definitely not the starting five, even though there was some uh, wobbliness in getting to know you again, because the Nuggets haven't had that uh, for the for a big chunk of this year thus far, but. How much growth do you think at this point, because we're 22 games into the the regular season, how much growth is left for Watson and Strouder in particular, and to a little lesser extent, Christian Brown, for them to form themselves into a quality NBA caliber bench? I don't know if it's going to happen with this particular group. I, I think it might take another year. I think that this is a good year to kind of get their sea legs under them as a trio. Uh, Christian Brown's already established. He's already a guy that they are learning how to play with him. He is learning how to get better and, and, and continue to add to the groups that he's a part of. But there's still some skill development there that he needs to attain, including shooting off the dribble, handling the basketball, and playmaking for others. That's stuff that he has to be able to do. Julian Strother has to be able to play defense. Yeah. And he's learning that on the fly. And that's right. That's uh, that's still a process for him, for sure. He's another guy that Denver's struggling to build positive lineups around Julian Strother, unless he plays with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who's their other primary wing defender. Right. Um, I would say that Peyton Watson has shown the most over the course of this last couple of weeks, just with the way that he's defending these star players. But he's also the most raw on the offensive end, and that kind of give and take doesn't necessarily lead to great minutes. Denver needs consistency on both ends of the floor and not just one. So 
uh, there are elements to like in all of their games, but Denver is going to struggle to put together lineups when you have three basically 21 to 22 year olds in the lineup at the same time. And that's just going to have to be a growing pain that everybody accepts. And I think that that's why the rotation will get cut down in April, May, and June, hopefully. And oh, yeah, is, they won't be playing 10 guys. Oh, yeah. No, there, <laughs> there's no way. Yes, they are it, now. It's going to be a pick and choose. Reggie Jackson will probably be the sixth man, and then they will see what happens after that. That's my, I think that's Brown's my probably the seventh. And after that, I, I would say, yeah, Watson, Strother, uh, Najee, certainly. Um, even Jordan depends on the matchup. Um, but you're right. It's tough to play anybody when they're not defending. And when I look at the West in particular, I see the Nuggets being the best defensive team, but they weren't the best defensive team on the floor last night. The Clippers were. And then, you know, one of those things, but it was mainly the bench. Imagine in the first and third quarters, you're plus 22. In the second and fourth quarters, you're minus 31. <laughs> it's pretty easy to break that down and say the bench minutes uh, were costly. Uh, where they are right now, I to me, it's a blessing of sorts that they're not in this silly in-season tournament. Um, and not just because they would be playing literally right now on a Thursday right, afternoon? Right. Okay. I, I, yeah. I don't think they care about that. Um, I think you've said that you don't believe they care about that very much. But they got the, the other thing I've noticed, and maybe you can comment uh, on this and set me straight, when they get 20 or more free throws, they don't shoot them very well. Last night, they shot almost 89% from the line, but they only had nine free throws. And that that seems to be an issue. I mean, they got off 11 more shots from the field, but they were, what, minus 16 in free throw attempts? That basically negates the shot attempt advantage when you're minus 16 in free throw attempts. Oh, there's no doubt. I, here's here's the, the numbers for you. Denver is currently 30th in the NBA in free throw makes. They yeah. are 28th in the NBA in free throws attempted. Right. They are 30th in the NBA in free throw percentage. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a great combination to win games, fellas. Eight for <laughs> nine is not going to help you that much. It's not enough it's, to uh, uh, bring you up substantially. But, but is there a situation in which when you look at their their offense, right? And we're speaking with Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on, on Twitter or X, social media. This is kind seems to kind of be their offense, and, and they're not the the really drive the lane type of team all that much. That they do sort of set up with Nikola Jokic setting guys up for really really high percentage jump shots. And when you're a jump shooting team, you don't get free throws. Uh, they're the defending champions, so I understand that that you know I might be nitpicking, but is that something that they can do better on, or do they just have to accept you're going to be on the wrong side of the of the charity stripe every game? I wonder if there is I wonder if there is a way for them to get it through to the league that they have the two-time MVP and finals MVP on their roster and that he probably deserves more than the two free throws he got last night. Um look, this is this is going to continue to be an issue. I think that one of the key factors here is that Aaron Gordon is now down to three free throws a game. Yeah. Yeah. And that jumps that out is, at you. Like that is uh, frankly alarming 
if you are a Nuggets fan, because I agree. so much about Aaron Gordon's game is aggressiveness. It is playing downhill. It is unstoppable physical force. And when he gets to the free throw line, he's shooting 52%. Yeah. And I think that his confidence is now shot so much right. that he right. is no longer wanting to get there and missing those bunnies. So this is, this is a problem. I mean, you look across the, the board here for Denver, 52 or 74% for Michael Porter is pretty low. 53% so. for Gordon. Yeah. Uh, 65% for Reggie Jackson. 73 yeah. for Christian Brown. 55 for Peyton Watson. He is, he's very low volume in general. Um, but I mean, all of these guys that it, it feels like it is an underperforming number. Oh, and Deandre Jordan. Well, averaging yeah. 28%. <laughs> yeah. Oh my from, God. You, you know all about that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't mind that. I, I remember, uh, TR Dunn, uh, back in the eighties playing with the Nuggets was a defensive player. Uh, not much to offer on the offensive end, but you had to count for him. And when a game was on the line, there was no one you'd rather have the foul line, although overall he was not a great free throw shooter. And there are people like that in, in the league. And I wish Gordon were one of those people. And at least this year he really hasn't been, where he doesn't have to shoot more than 60 65% of the line. But late in games, he's not only got to get to the line more, he's got to make him when he gets there. Late this in close is- games. Uh, just across the board, like I said, this is a free throw epidemic for Denver for some reason. Yeah, it seems uh, the to be only contagious. Two guys, yeah. The only two guys who are shooting at or above their averages are KCP and Jamal Murray. And Murray's been Even Jokic so has been missing more than usual at the line. Yeah, he's at 78.5% right that's now. That's too low. He should be in, it, in the it 80s. Doesn't sound doesn't sound too terrible, but like I said, yeah, exactly. He, he is a he's a low to mid 80s guy for the most part and everybody is 5 to 10% below their averages. So, yep. it is something that for whatever reason is sweeping the Nuggets. I'll probably be asking about it on Friday. And because what, what what can you say to the what can you say to the players? What can you say to the coaches to get them to shoot better free throws? It's it's a hard question. It's obviously something that a lot of coaches have been uh, had a tough time trying to get happening. But it, you know that is a that's a problem. Like one, they're not drawing free throws, and two, when they get there, they're not hitting them. And in close games, uh, that's going to get you losses. And uh, they have to keep working on it. Now I think they're in great shape. I look at it. My major concern was health. They looked healthy last night. That's the part I'm worried about. But uh, last one for you, Ryan, over the next couple of games. And uh, we know in the early going, they're they're in perfectly good shape. I understand that. But over the next couple of games, you have uh, Houston, you have Atlanta, you have Chicago, you have Brooklyn. None of those teams are expected to make any significant noise. They're, they're not quite, not all of them are necessarily bottom feeders, but they're not really top teams. What do you want to see the Nuggets do over those next four, including two at home and two on the road? Yeah, I just like them to get back to playing Nuggets basketball, right? Which is uh, being more physical at the point of attack, playing with more force on the offensive end, and just winning. Like this, this team, only a couple games that they've lost in a row here, but uh, one of them was on the second night of a back to back, but it never feels good to lose when your star plays poorly. So uh, first things first, Nikola Jokic just has to get back to playing the brand of basketball that he's supposed to be playing. And then they should be finding Michael Porter. Like that's, that's the other thing that we haven't really talked about here. Eight shots out and seven out of eight 
Yeah. That's not good enough. He was the one guy who was actually hitting on offense, and they they ended up not getting the ball, and that was a little bit strange. Great first quarter, and then the second quarter, he basically didn't score. Yeah, I mean, he he is at the – I think he is at the mercy of Denver's offense in that regard, where sometimes he just does not touch the ball because he has not passed the ball. Um, that's that's a problem, and <laughs> yeah, Denver yeah. has to fix it. Yeah. yeah um, but right no, that's if I am if I am handicapping things, more shots for Michael Porter, less shots for Nikola Jokic somehow, and or just making the shots that he's attempting. He will be better. I have if there's anybody that I have faith in bouncing oh, yeah. back, oh, it's going to be Nikola Jokic. Oh, um, and then Denver, they have the capability to go four and zero. Will they go four and zero? Probably not. But I do think that's like, over the course of these next few games, you have to see them getting back to playing their brand of basketball. Well, he is Ryan Blackburn. You want to make sure you check out everything he puts together, not only over at My Life Sports with all the, the written content, but the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, the Alley Oop podcast. And if you're not following him on social, you're missing out on uh, what I think is the most unique and useful thing that anyone in Denver media does with basketball, these terrific rotation charts that Ryan uses that uh, I personally find invaluable on the show that that he creates. So uh, really appreciate the time as always. It's, a, uh, it's an interesting time because the Nuggets right now, none of us, I think, are terribly concerned. But the truth of the matter is in the last 13 games, they're 6-7. and seven. True. And that's it's not true. what you expect when you're the champs. We'll find out when they take on the Rockets Friday. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Ryan Blackburn, joining us. Of course, like I said, give him a follow at NBA Blackburn. Check out the podcast, the written content, and stay on top of the Nuggets with him. And, and that's the biggest thing for me, Sandy. 6-7. and seven. In the last 13 games, uh, they don't look like an average team. They don't look like a bad team. They look like a championship contender. But you can't just sort of put the whole season in neutral and expect to flip the switch later. I, I agree, and it's not a big deal because the road win, home loss differential with mm-hmm. Minnesota and Denver Yeah, is I'm not identical. trying to make a mountain out of a mole. identical. There, but. However... The standings say Denver's lost twice as many games as Minnesota's lost. Eight to four. And, you know, Minnesota hasn't been quite as good at home as Denver, but Minnesota's been good on the road. Now, Minnesota had one of those games last night at home when they're playing San Antonio, and you could tell they weren't really into it. But they're so talented. And they generally play a smarter brand of basketball than they did last year and the year before. So, if their players are performing, maybe they're not connected as well every night, but they have different ways to beat you now. They can beat you on either end of the floor. And Edwards is healthy now after missing some games with the hip injury after that nasty fall. And he just, he's one of the five best players in the NBA right now. On both ends. He, he's a load. Nuggets get it going again on Friday against the Houston Rockets. The Denver Broncos a couple days later find themselves with a must-win game against the L.A. Chargers. How do they stop them? Because, yeah, the, the Broncos have gotten through their win streak with uh, some quarterbacks that are subpar, some quarterbacks who are playing subpar that are brilliant, some quarterbacks that are supposed to look like rookies that don't. Now they get one of the guys that consistently looks good, even though the season's been perplexing for the Chargers. Justin Simmons has a comment on that as well. We'll hear from him next on My Life Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, you heard the, the big voice there talking about uh, Superbook. And, of course, you can win the trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They'll also give you two tickets to the game and a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Gambling. The Denver Broncos, Sandy, have at least for this year's playoff chances. If it is not officially a make or break, it is effectively a make or break. The Chargers, talk a little bit about it, two and a half point favorites, and they have a couple weapons. Not only do you have Justin Herbert, but you have one Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen in his career, 14 games against the Denver Broncos. Solid numbers. So think about this. You know, less than a full NFL season, all told. 77 catches, 774 yards, and 10 touchdowns in his career against the Broncos. He has been very, very effective against them. And earlier in the week, Justin Simmons had a chance to talk about it. He's very uh, Kelsey-esque and not comparing them and by any means. I just mean um, he's so knowledgeable in defensive formations and the tendencies and and what we're looking to execute on plays and he's really good at finding the zones beating man coverage and Justin does a good job finding them um, knowing where the pressure's coming from or if we're laying back in his zone uh, they're just they're both really in tune that's why I was alluding to the to the Kelsey thing but uh I think he he's obviously having a great year um I haven't seen any many if any drops on film uh, when the ball's near him. And so he's finding ways to make plays when, when the team needs it. So obviously it's going to be a, you know, the utmost importance for us to be able to, uh, in some way, sever that connection throughout the game, just make it difficult, um, uh, change up looks, you know, whatever the case may be. We're just going to have to make it difficult on them. They've been playing extremely well. And, uh, man, he's a heck of a player. So it's going to be a challenge. And without Mike Williams most of the year, it is even more important that they keep Keenan Allen under control. I'm a big fan. Um, there were one or two games earlier this year where it seemed he dropped more passes than I can remember him dropping. But if you're counting on him dropping too many Sunday, it's probably not. Uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that for sure. And in the last, I talk about you know, 10 touchdowns in the 14 games in his career against the Broncos, but pretty notable. In his last five, five of them. Yeah. I mean, he has been a, a guy that gets the end zone, and he gets in there and he gets the job done, and Herbert trusts him. Herbert, by the way, in his career against the Broncos, if you were curious, uh, only six games against the Broncos. Not great, though. 1,582 yards, 10 touchdowns, and five picks. A, a passer rating, not even a QBR, a passer rating of 89.2. A little below average. That's somewhat so below average him for him. They have given him some trouble. And uh, it's been a while since they picked him. They picked him off only once. They picked him off two he times in his first picks. game, and they haven't picked him off in a while. Uh, so I think for the Broncos, the idea of get, getting turnovers by Herbert making a mistake, you probably ought to write that off too because his completion percentage against the Broncos in his career, though, still 66.1%. So he's he's getting 
the the high rate of completions. He doesn't actually get sacked that often in the six games against the Broncos, only 10 sacks. And the five out of those 10 came in the first three games of his career against the Broncos. It's a fascinating weekend because you have the last two teams with buys, Arizona and Washington. And after this week, all 32 teams play every week. No more buys after this week. And seven of the 15, including their own game, will have a major impact on Denver's playoff chances. Mm -hmm. Seven out of 15 games, including the one tonight in Pittsburgh between the Patriots and the Steelers. I don't expect anyone sane to watch that game from start to finish. But if New England, which has held its last three opponents to 10 points or fewer, can stay close, who knows? Funny things happen. Uh, Indy and Cincinnati, the importance of that game speaks for itself. Jacksonville at Cleveland. Houston at the Jets, Minnesota at the Raiders, Buffalo at Kansas City, Denver at the Chargers, of course. Seven out of the 15 games. So uh, three out of the four late games, uh, including, again, the one they're playing in, uh, big games uh, for the Broncos. The only late game that doesn't matter to Denver is Seattle at San Francisco. Uh, The Sunday night game, Philadelphia-Dallas, doesn't matter. The Monday night games, Tennessee, Miami, Green Bay, the Giants don't matter. But there are three early games and three out of the four late games that really do. And a Thursday night game tonight. And remember, again, Pittsburgh is minus six in this game. And I don't think Pittsburgh should be minus six against anybody. Even New England. Well, boy, Patriots are terrible. I know, but their their defense is not terrible. And the last three games have kind of demonstrated. That. Now, we can remember how bad the Broncos uh, uh, were last year and how bad Russell Wilson was last uh, you know, last year when he played with this first disastrous season. But it's worth noting, in the game against the Chargers, the last game of the year, they split with the Chargers. In the last game of the year, the Broncos won 31-28. to uh, Wilson threw for 283 yards and three touchdowns with only one uh, interception. That was, that was a weird game. In a year in which he was just a business. played all his starters. Uh, one or two of them, Bosa and Williams, got hurt mm-hmm. in the game. And Williams got hurt again this year. And Bosa's hurt now and out. So it's not out of the question. And I'm leaning Denver this week in this game. Wow. See, okay. Wow. Even, but even on the, here's wow. the difference. The Broncos need help now. They didn't well, need they help do. if they had won last nope, week. they had won. They, they, now they need help. Control. That's they, the problem. They, just winning isn't good enough. They need help. So they need Yes, uh, New England uh, or Cleveland. Uh, yeah, well, we'll need, talk about winners. You need one yeah, you need some of those teams you, to win. You root for the teams that are really bad or really good. You root for New England. You root for Indy against Cincinnati. You root for Jacksonville against Cleveland. You root for the Jets against Houston. You root for Minnesota against the Raiders. You root for Kansas City, believe it or not, against Buffalo. Sure, yeah. And obviously you're pulling for the Broncos if – you're a Bronco fan. And, you know, they were 6-6 six and six back in uh, 2018. Had a lot of injuries, uh, particularly Chris Harris Jr. at that point and to Emmanuel Sanders, and they lost their final four in the final season of Vance Joseph as head coach. Well, you'd be talking about a break in the trend because the home team in this series has won the last seven games. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. The home team's won the last seven. Uh, uh, the road teams are doing okay. A little odd. Chargers don't play well here. 
That's uh, at least with Herbert, a quarterback. They tend not to play well here, but they've been. That's how bad the Broncos have been. That even in Los Angeles, where there really is no home field advantage for the Chargers, maybe a little for the Rams because the Rams have played there before, and the Chargers have too. But it was back in the '60s. There's no home field advantage for the Chargers. But oddly, the, the Broncos in the three games they've played at SoFi, the Chargers have won them all. Broncos haven't beaten the Chargers at, at SoFi yet. They beat them at the soccer stadium. Yeah. yeah. The um, I, I'm obviously concerned about it because, you know, we know about uh, Bosa, but Khalil Mack already has 15 sacks on the season. He's had a great year. Um, He's been good. Yikes. And I don't know. You know, the funny thing is if we were talking about the after, tackles were bad last after week. the Cleveland game, we're like, hey, maybe there's some control. Yeah, and now because the, Miles Garrett was. And now after this game against Houston, both. I'm sitting there going, oh, man, neither one of these guys has the speed to stop Khalil Mack. No. And I don't know if they can do much with the moves. I'm like, is he going to run free? Right. That's where I have right. a really difficult time for the Broncos thinking that you're going to have a chance to to pull this off. And and you won't if Khalil Mack gets loose. If Khalil Mack gets to direct the game for the Broncos, they will not win. But we'll talk about this more tomorrow. But would you rather have a coach who's coaching for his job Mm-hmm. versus a coach who, even with a similar record this year, is most assuredly not coaching for his job? That's a, you know, that's a fair question because I agree. Delve I mean, into I, it tomorrow. I said like this a, yeah, a couple weeks ago that I think the next loss to the Chargers probably ends it for Brandon Staley. And oh, I, if they I, don't make the playoffs, it's over. And I think they would maybe like to even if maybe end it faster than that and see if Kellen Moore can be the guy, you know, one of the, the, the hot names in the last couple well, cycles. Well, if they lose Sunday, they're out of it. Right. So and then maybe it, they might it doesn't move really and make give it difference. to more for an interim role and see if they get it full time. But but yeah, it, that that's that's an interesting that's an interesting thought. We'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. We'll talk about that tomorrow because there are arguments you can make on both sides of it. It depends on I guess where your team is at the moment and where you expect it to be. The Chargers expected to be in the playoffs now, second place. The, the Broncos, Broncos are in second place. Notwithstanding, you know, Peyton's obvious bravado at the beginning of the year, I think anybody who looked at the Broncos said, oh, that should be a playoff team. It was probably talking through orange-tinted glasses. Yes. Uh, yes. The, the Chargers, however, I think the expectation was they're not only a lock playoff team, but maybe a dark horse AFC contender, and they well, have looked nothing it, like that but this when, year. When you have a quarterback, you always have a chance. And the thinking was that they have gradually made some improvements, at least on paper, defensively, and it really hasn't come to pass, uh, although they did pitch a shutout last week, and I know it's New England, but a shutout's a shutout. Maybe that gave them some confidence. Uh, we'll see on Sunday. Uh, the Broncos have to do more than kick field goals in this game. They have to yes, score they have to get into the end zone. And when it's red zone time, when it's goal to go, they have to get six points on the board and at the extra point. We'll have an opportunity, by the way, to talk about that tomorrow with Taylor Kilgore, Fox 31, who will join us uh, at 5 p.m. tomorrow to talk about that Broncos game, which has become now an absolute must-win affair for the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche find themselves in a much more enviable position in which uh, must-win is a long way away. Oh, and by the way, a lot of those injuries that you were worried about, I'm about to give you some really good news about Great them on news. Mile High Sports Great. next
come my lady, come come my lady, give my butterfly sugar, baby. Come my lady, come come my lady. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Tonight, the Colorado Avalanche will take on the Winnipeg Jets. That game right here in Denver. Uh, two pretty good teams with pretty good records coming on for the uh, Avalanche. Really good news. Earlier today, Jared Bednar talked about uh, Nathan McKinnon, who was fine after blocking that shot. Andrew Cogliano will be back. Kale McCarr will be back tonight. Bowen Byram, while not being totally committed to playing tonight, Bednar indicated that Bowen Byram is fine. I think that indicates that he probably will play, but he wasn't quite as uh, particular about it. So a return to health for the Avalanche obviously would be terrific, terrific news, especially since they've had a couple scares. But also in that press presser today, Jared Bednar was asked about the challenges. Remember, we talked about this earlier. A full 50% of your four forward lines are new players, including veterans like Ryan Johansson, including a guy like Tomas Tatar that's been around, a guy like Ross Colton who's still relatively young, has played at a very, very high level as a Stanley Cup champ with the Lightning. And trying to figure out how to incorporate all of those on the fly and find a way to craft an identity for the team, Bednar had his usual thoughtful answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we, even at the start of the year, like the, we have some guys that have been around me long enough that they know, you know, my expectations, our coaching staff's expectations, and I know where how they operate as well. We've talked about that familiarity. So it, it's not like this a big process to get it dialed in. We have a lot of strong leaders in there, and they all lead in their own specific way you know like Nate's different than Cogs and Taser's different than both and Kale and so on um, we're all trying to get to the same place and have our team playing you know 90% of our game or better every single night and that find that consistency so that we have a we have a high standard it doesn't it's not always going to come together for you but I do feel like the messaging from our team and coaching staff has been really consistent and they, they take a lot of ownership in that we give them a big voice in there um, in meetings and even game planning if they see things you know like it's just it's we're trying to be a family and we feel like the bigger voice that the players have the more they'll take ownership of it he just does a fabulous job I think of guiding this team and I think that's the best word for it he's not dictatorial he's not my way or the highway uh, he is the prototypical modern NHL coach. And I think the steadiness of the avalanche is something that over the last 67 games in the regular season, 47, 14, and 6, that's a percentage of 746. If you include the playoff series with Seattle, it's 50, 18, and 6 in their last 74 games. That's a 716 winning percentage. This year, their winning percentage is 720. So they're hitting that standard most of the time. Uh, we know about the times they didn't. The 7 nothing shellacking in Las Vegas. The 8-2 loss at home to St. Louis, which was the only game this year where you could point to their effort in the third period and ask real questions about it. And to the extent that I've ever seen Jared Bednar mad, he was 
in a rage, a controlled rage, but a rage nonetheless, after that game. And uh, what are they since? 7-2-2, two two, something like that. Right. So the standard, again, has been just about the same. And there are only three teams in the NHL who have lost fewer hockey games so far this year than the Avalanche. The Rangers have lost six, five in regulation. Boston has lost seven, four in regulation. And the Kings have lost seven, four in regulation. Now, the Kings haven't played a lot of games, which makes their record actually, in many ways, more impressive. Uh, since opening night, they've only lost three games in regulation. Right. That's really good. The Avs have only the, lost two in regulation. Teams, since, that's it. The yeah, Avs have out of lost, their last 13. Avs have lost nine games this year, seven in regulation, and everybody else in the league, including Las Vegas and Dallas, 10 or more losses, Winnipeg 10 losses, the opponent tonight. Uh, strangely enough, Ottawa's only played 20 games, and Ottawa's 10 and 10 in last place because they haven't played any games. Right. And, uh, you know, again, I, I look at the teams in this league and below 20 points, you have San Jose with 16 and Chicago at 15. It's pretty good. I have no idea. Out what of sort the of... 32 teams are at 20 points or more yeah. in the quarter pole. It, it, it's pretty good. I have no, I have no idea what sort of schedule wacks to do nonsense league. as the Senators only play 20 games. But Worth noting, by the way, uh, this is part of a an opportunity to really cash in. It is a the second game of a five game homestand. Yes, for the Avalanche. So you really like to get things going. Valerian Nachushkin still ill, not expected. If he to play. feels like I do, I can understand uh, why he's not playing. Yeah, Sandy's uh, Sandy's a gamer today. I had I feel a flu a little shot yesterday, and it worked. <laughs> I got the flu today, <laughs> and I'm sitting here just like trying to keep my distance from Sandy just in case. But the uh, you know, hopefully, like, the nice advantage at times, and who knows how it'll work, but I mean, you can you can all but tell Valerian Nechushkin, like, great, what's a homestand? Go home, get some Pedialyte, oh. some chicken soup, and go to bed. We'll catch you tomorrow. Absolutely. You know, go Absolutely. get better. We don't need you at the arena tonight. Just, no, getting other people soup. Yeah, why don't no. you just, uh, you know, get get some sleep, and we'll let you know what well, happened in the morning. That's great news that they're getting so many of these guys back. So many of them back. That is really good news. One of the things that concerns me, the way this goes, and that made me that Logan O'Connor's on the top line again. We'll see. I think that Might was be. a good fit. Might be. But one of the, the little, little flies in the ointment for the Avalanche, they're fifth in the NHL. In penalties. Yeah. And they're Isn't taking over four per game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a small amount. Very, it's four very po- odd. The lack of discipline yeah. is stunning to me because the other parts of the game are reasonably steady. And the penalties, I don't understand. And George Gwazdecki, the longtime coach at DU, won two national championships on the Hilltop, always told me with respect to penalties, you don't want to be first. You don't want to be last. But you don't want to be fifth either. I mean, that's still up towards the. Well, no, you know? no, I, I'm, I'm saying you get yeah. the idea. Oh, of course, you get the idea. You don't want to be top five. You don't want to be bottom five. Right. Uh, you want to be somewhere in the middle. And the Avalanche, most definitely, when it comes to taking penalties, aren't in the middle. No, of and th- the this isn't a this isn't a Broad Street Bullies squad you got here either. So I mean, that's sort of odd that that there's that many penalties being taken. And, and McDermott doesn't have that many of them. No, the frustrating part. Right. We talked about this a bit with with <laughs> the a guy like Bowen Byron. Two goals. There's a lot of delay of games and yeah. hookings, yeah, and and stuff that just feels quite frankly sloppy. Well, it, Byron has 32 of the penalty points. Yeah, and that's too many. That's 16 of their 111 penalties, by the way. That's too many. 
So uh, that's something I'd like to see him tighten up because it's one thing if you if you're a, if you're a physical team and you're playing physical and you're getting the the occasional physical penalties, but the Avs get a lot of penalties that are really the ones that they're more mental errors than they are really the, the kind of penalties you expect, and and that eventually costs you. Now on the bright side, it's also comparatively comparatively easy to tune that up to go ahead and get yourself right as the team gets along. Some of these things, the hooking calls can happen because maybe guys are a little out of position. They're not what they expected to be, and that happened because their line mate wasn't where they are expected to be. All these things do happen as the team continues to play together more and hopefully stays healthy. Uh, you'll see fewer of those things, I think, because guys won't be as out of position. They'll be used to their line mates. Some of that stuff gets better. But at the same time, the one thing that we've seen at the abs at times, and it was what enraged Jared Bednar, as you pointed out, it's too strong a term, but I don't have a better one. That losing streak, some of the problems with scoring at times, the penalties, it's all a little, I won't say lazy, but lackadaisical. I'll, I'll say it. They're complacent. Complacent. At times. At complacent. Times. Right. They seem, they seem like things are just fine, and they don't have to play their A game. And strangely enough, the other night they weren't, and they were so shorthanded. They knew, right? Even against they Anaheim, stepped it up because they were team, they they knew yeah. they were shorthanded and had to play hard. And you put O'Connor on the first line, that first line's going to give you effort, just because O'Connor's on it. Right. And McKinnon was fantastic the other night. Drouin was very good, had a couple of assists. The first line was terrific. And I'm with you. I'd go back to that tonight. I would. And I'd leave Rantanen on the second line, sure. and I don't know what they'll do with uh, Johansson and Colton. I mean, to me, they're kind of interchangeable. It worked. Why, why, why mess with it if it's not broken, right? And even I mean, when Colton was playing on the third line, there were nights he got more minutes than Johansson correct. did. That's the second line center. It's just, it's just the way it goes. I completely Colton trust Jared some of the power play, Plays on the penalty kill. Uh, Johansson takes some face-offs, but he really isn't a big-time special teams player. No, uh, but, you know, and I, I don't want to overstress that, but it's just like I said, it was like a fly in the ointment with the penalties because it's kind yep. of strange. They're, they're, not a, they're not a particularly That's physical not team. And th- those are the kind of things that you have to just get. There have been penalties. It, and we talked about it in one of the losses on the recent road trip that Bo and Byram, uh, it, it wasn't a power play, but it might as well be because it happened as the gate swung open for Byram. And it was a penalty that should, it was, it was. That's right. Kind That's of right. a lackadaisical penalty. Three on three. You can't. That's one of the cardinal rules. You can't let people get behind you when you're three on three. Fortunately, the Avalanche are also fifth in the league in goals per game at 3.56. So that's the idea. As long as the scoring keeps going, scoring has not been a problem. Let's see. How many skaters do they have with double digit points? Four, six, seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Wood's got nine points, four goals, five assists. Byram, eight. And O'Connor's got eight. Three assists. O'Connor's four and four for eight. Druan's three and five for eight. Lackanen three and five for <laughs> he eight. In 12, games. twelve games. Uh, Tatar hasn't scored, but he's got he's eight, got eight assists. Durand is zero up to Durand's now up to eight assists. Uh, Cogliano's plus six at three goals, four assists. So, uh, you know they they they've shown the ability to score, and I, I would say that um, when he was playing, Gerard was struggling. Byram was uh, and is on occasion struggling still. But everybody else is playing, I think, reasonably well. Uh, are they as well connected, uh, as well oiled a machine as they will be in two or three months? I don't think so. Right. But if you're going six, seven, and two, 
every 25 games, that's okay. You triple that total, and after 75 games, you'd have 48 wins, 21 losses, and six overtime losses. You'll take that, right? And yeah. In the last seven games, they're, of the they're year. on track, and it, and this is the challenge. And occasionally, even we've seen it with the Nuggets, who you know won a title last year. The Avs won it two years ago. It is possible at times, and we've seen it in every sport, to be so good that sometimes it's tough to get up for regular season games. Yes, and and I get that. And a lot of teams figure it out, and they they by the time they get to the playoffs, they're rolling, and there's no problem. And actually, I believe the Avalanche and the Nuggets will both be doing that. But you never assume it because sometimes, sometimes when you reach for the light switch, the light doesn't always turn on. You know what I care about too is conference record, and the Avs are twelve mm-hmm. five and two. They're, great. In they're the good way. shape and getting healthier. So good sign for them. They take on the Winnipeg just tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Of course, we'll talk about the Broncos. With our friend Taylor Kilgore from Fox 31. She'll join us tomorrow. Thanks to Ryan Blackburn breaking down a, one of, a very odd, but in in the end, really eh, not that important. Nuggets lost. <laughs> the important part is they got their starters out there all healthy and uh, they're on the right track. They'll be getting going uh, tomorrow as well. So we'll talk about that. A fun talking with you. Thanks to everyone who listened, whether it was on the FM, the HD, MyLifeSports.com. Yeah, you can listen that way. You can just go you know, on your computer or on the website stream us or you can do that on the free app and get all of the stuff that you get from all our great writers all the radio shows here all the programming all in your pocket and of course it's free we're not going to charge you with your friends thanks to danny bailey in the booth he makes everything work we'll be back in just about uh, what is it 22 hours and you know um three minutes for sandy clough i'm sean drotar we'll be back then for a football friday hopefully you stay right here at miley sports